life out for. Be careful where you find your entertainment, where you find your fulfillment. Be careful how you open up your life, your sexuality, your career. Be careful. Verse 23, guard that thing. God owns you. If you don't aim your entire inner life at God first, you're gonna spill your guts and somebody's gonna trample your heart on the ground. Only God has the strength and ability to take all that you have and love you anyway. To take all that you have and hold it. There's not a single human on this earth that you'll ever meet that can handle all of you. You're too complicated. There's too much going on in there. Like literally if you got home from work and somebody asked you, hey, how'd your day go? Like, okay, I just had an eight hour work day. It would take you eight hours to explain your day. We know they're not asking that. Some of you talk like that, but that's okay. Which means, I say that to say this, there's nobody who's actually gonna ever completely understand you and know what you've been through except God. Guard your heart, aim it at the Lord, trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, mind, strength, soul, everything that's within you, with all your guts. Deuteronomy 6, 5, Jesus quotes this. Somebody says, teacher, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, 5, except he changes it. Because the Greeks were a Western mindset, right? The Hebrews were an Eastern mindset. Watch this. Deuteronomy 6, 5, the verse Jesus quotes says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. What does Luke 10, 27 add to that list? Do you know? Mind. Why did Jesus, well, Jesus added to scripture. No, he didn't. He didn't add to the Old Testament. He simply took what was the Eastern mindset, verbalized it in the Western mindset, and showed that, The New Testament is talking about the same thing as the Old Testament. Your life is a matter of your heart. It is the issue. And you are affected by messages. Write this down. The heart and the mind is the control center of your humanity. Everything comes in, everything goes out. You are a giant filter. This is why you have to guard your heart. And the battle is between, the battle is not between me and the devil. The battle is between me and my own flesh. My own desire to filter life in such a way that I'm gonna prosper and I'm gonna get what I want on my terms. I'm gonna filter, my, my biggest danger is me. Now, yes, there are spiritual powers and influences in the world that create images, that create lies, that create messages but we have the opportunity to filter those ourselves. We need God's word. We need God's help to distinguish between right and wrong, wise and unwise, smart and foolish. But you're a human being and you can make that decision. 
You're supposed to make that decision. You're expected to make those decisions. And you're expected to first choose God. Allowing him to become your filter. So you don't even have to filter your life anymore. If you don't know what to do, pray longer. Pray longer. Talk to more Christians. Look at all the other circumstances in your life. And wait. Christians should not be in a rush to get to lunch or to get to work. Has God not orchestrated all things? Yeah, but I overslept. Why did you stay up late? Why didn't you get enough rest? Why didn't you set an alarm? Well, it broke. Well, get a new one. Be responsible. There's slack. We can cut you some slack. We can cut you some grace. But a habitual life of always rushing and rushing and rushing to the next thing that you're always, always, always behind. Check your heart. Last time I checked, the birds of the air, the lilies in the field, no anxiety, no stress. God provides for them in season. Why? God has their hearts, but they didn't have a say in the matter. Here you are holding your heart. Here's my heart, Lord. One of my favorite hymns. <laughs> Here's my heart. Don't live like this. <clears throat> Don't be a grump. Release it. Everything you're hearing and saying and seeing is affecting you. Be careful. Filter. Listen. Third point, last point. Verses 24 through 27. Let me read them. Put away from you. Oh, I like that. Active. You. Put away from you. Crooked speech. Oh. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Change your behaviors. Let your eyes look directly forward. And your gaze be straight before you. I like that singularity. You're in a heated situation. Something needs your attention. We're good at this. Like We are really good at this. The person in front of you falls down, gets hurt, cut, they're bleeding, they need medical attention. Man, you, oh, look at the trees. Oh, wow, what a beautiful day. Bleeding out. I'm, I'm just, look at, do you feel the wind this morning? Bleeding out. Like when there's an emergency, we know, ah, trauma, apply pressure, elevate, ice, get help, get help. Like we don't get so easily distracted when we think it's an emergency or maybe not an emergency. Maybe they're just a thousand Easter eggs in the front yard. Man, I saw some focus last week. <laughs> Got some action shots running to the next. I love that picture, Allie. If Allie runs the bases like she runs the churchyard for eggs, she's never going to get caught, man. She's, she's like white lightning. And, and an administration, does she try to administrate your house like that? She's like, do this, go there. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah. She's going to be a great leader someday. She's, she's, got, she's got the whole package. You don't think so? Yeah, a dictator. She's going to be a great... Di- says her older brother about his little sister. You can just copy and paste that into all the other brothers in the room. I'm just telling you. That's just, that's just the way it is. But on this third point, uh, your heart affects your behaviors. Look, 
Stay focused. Keep your gaze straight before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. Well, how can they talk about thinking when they don't even have a word for brain? Because it's part of the inner person. Ponder, think about, meditate on. Take the time to think about the path for your feet. Then your ways will be sure. It doesn't say you have to find the way. It just means you need to slow down, think about it. There's the way. That's what God does. He's prepared a way. He's prepared a way for his people to live that brings blessing and not curses. That brings security, not insecurity. That brings peace and not chaos. God has provided a way. You just need to slow down, look for it. And don't get distracted by all the other things. Are there things trying to distract you from the most important path you could ever be on? Yes, we call all those things emergencies. All of them. We get it backwards. Verse 27, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Here's the order of change in your notes. You need to first have a change of heart. Then you can have a change of desires. And then you have the final change of behavior. This is the God prescribed order of Christian living. Give him your heart, live from the heart, protect the heart, yield the heart, abandon your heart every day, all the time, in every situation to God over and over again. That's your role in life. And that is it. You do that, God will do the rest. What if I have a same-sex attraction? What if I can't control my desire? What if I'm an alcoholic? What if I'm, what about my addictions? What about my past? What about my abuse? What about all these other things that try to define me and tell me who I am? I'm standing on this one. Give God your heart and wait. Sometimes he changes people. But even if he doesn't change you, wait. Your identity as a child of God is not based upon your desires. Hear me say that again. Your identity as a child of the living God is not defined by what you are drawn or attracted to. It's defined by who you give your heart to. And that's going to create a lot of mess in this room and in these families. Because for the rest of your life then, you're going to have this struggle between my behavior, what I know I should do and shouldn't do, versus who God says I am and what I should and shouldn't do. That's the rest of your life. And you have a lot of decisions to make. But you've got to get that first one right first. Heart, yield, surrender. Not just once. Not just at Easter. Not just at camp. But every day is, a, is an act of laying down your life, slowing down, looking straight forward, pondering the path of your feet, not swerving to the right or left, letting your eyes directly forward, your gaze be straight before you. That's biblical language for, staying, for saying stay focused on Jesus Christ. Confess your desires to him. Nobody has perfect desires. Like There's, there's no... No heart and no mind that is perfect. 
That's the next blank. So cut yourself some slack and understand that God gives you grace. He knows you're not going to be perfect in this life. No one is. Parents, so stop expecting your kids to be perfect. Employers, stop expecting your employees to be perfect. No one, no one is perfect. It's not going to work out in this life. Because you're not perfect. So treat other people like you would like them to treat you. Walk a mile in their shoes. All these, other, these biblical truths come into focus. Make a right judgment. Be patient. And I have another warning. Because we got heart, desire, behavior. And I covered this in Sunday school. Leviticus is telling you how to live from the heart a holy life and to be set apart. Heart, desire, behavior. You cannot reverse engineer that. You cannot work on all your behaviors and expect your desires to change and then say, I have a heart for God. It doesn't work that way. That's called legalism. Moralism. If I do what is right, then God, then God. God does not live in that box. You give your heart to God and then God and then God. That's how it works. Because behavior, behavior can simply reveal conditioning. Write that down. Proper behavior can just simply show you've been whipped and beaten and scared into doing the right thing. Like a dog, like a mule. I, I, would, no, I can't say cat. They're in a different ballpark. That, they have no heart. There's just something going on there. They just. But isn't this true? Have you seen this conditioning? People can just do the right thing. And, and we have words for this. When we think somebody has been thoughtless, they can do something thoughtlessly, just go through the motions. I can serve a meal to needy people. When am I done? I'm doing the right thing. Good grief. Come on. I got, hurry up and eat that. No, you, you will eat all that. You'll be thankful. Like, like you can go do the right thing and have the wrong spirit. You can do the right thing, behavior, be in the right place, doing the right thing, and not be the right person. We also call it heartless, thoughtless, right? We can do that. Careful. Good behavior can simply reveal conditioning. You can live life without your heart even being involved, which makes me understand why Solomon is writing these words to his kids. He is pleading with them. Get your heart right. Chapter 5 next week, we get into a little more what we're traditionally used to in Proverbs about the the wise woman and the foolish woman. Proverbs 6, practical warnings about pledges and, and giving your word. This is, this, is like, this is like the last hurrah, the end of chapter 4, where he is, he's, before we get into all the nitty gritty and get into the weeds of Proverbs, do this, don't do this, live like this, don't live like that, do, 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 don't, 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 don't. Hear, hear, hear this father's impassioned plea, my son. Guard your heart. 
If you love the wrong things, it can lead you to the wrong path. You love the wrong thing, it's gonna show eventually. Love God. He'll change your desires. He'll change your behaviors. And even if God doesn't take away the thing you are most addicted to, even if you don't get healing, will you love him anyway? Will you love God like Jesus expects you to love God? Don't be in this for the benefits. We're in this for the relationship. Turn to Matthew 23. I've been wanting to say this the whole message. Jesus sounds like the spitting image of Proverbs. So many things come out of Jesus' mouth that I'm seeing he has lifted from the old and dropped into the new. Almost, I don't want to say Jesus is rubbing it in our face, but he's rubbing it in our face. Like the face of all humanity, like, Okay, you want something new? Oh, my teaching is like nobody else is teaching. I teach like no other rabbi. Like, guys, if Jesus were to be frank with us, he'd probably say something like, all I'm doing is teaching the Old Testament. The very things God has always asked you to do. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. In Matthew 23, Jesus is uh, having... An interesting encounter, and he has to rebuke some people. Chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the tithing of your herbs, you blind guides, you're straining out a gnat, but you're swallowing a camel. Huh. What is that about? <laughs> it's about the heart. It's about behaviorism. Here's a group of people who are working the plan their way. Their behaviors are showing everybody what their desire is for and Jesus is saying, your heart is dead. The most important things to work on, the weightier matters of the law are justice and mercy, faithfulness. Those are heart issues. You care about justice. You care about mercy. You're tithing on your window box of herbs but you're not a nice person. You're not fair to widows and orphans. You're not complimentary and helpful to immigrants and outcasts. The Pharisees were legalists, and that's a hard issue. Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and plate, behavior modification, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. That's a heart issue, greed and self-indulgence. He says that again, you blind Pharisee. Here's the prescription. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may be clean. Solomon would say, guard your heart. 
Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, you appear beautiful. You've been painted. You've been crafted. It's a beautiful cemetery. Everything's immaculate. The weeds are gone. The grass is green. But inside each one of those tombs is a stinking corpse. That's their problem. Jesus says, on the inside, you're dead. No matter how neat and tidy your behaviorism looks. So Jesus is reinforcing, I think, what Solomon is saying in Proverbs 4. Because these are the things Solomon wants for his kids. He wants them to have balance in all areas of their life. He wants them to have personal holiness. He wants to guard their heart and their mind. These are the very things Solomon is pleading with his kids. Read these Proverbs. Get your life on this track. Because that's what God has always cared about. It's what he cares about still for you. And that's why we need to keep pressing on through Proverbs. Let me wrap it up with a, a couple of questions. Do you truly see how dark and broken your heart is? Write that down. Do you see how truly dark and broken your heart is? It's not a popular thing to talk about your sin. It might be popular to talk about other people's sins. <laughs> what about yours? What, what is your problem? Selfishness, greed, indulgence, immorality, lying, cheating, materialism, idolatry, and the list goes on and on. You know. It's worse than you think. It's worse than you think. The deadness of your heart is deader than you think. When God gives you a new heart, you have to feed it. You have to work it, and you have to let it take over. You have to let it flood your soul. There are going to be basements and doors that you've kept shut for a long time, and you think, ah, that's just who I am. True. Ponder the right path. Open every door. Abandon every area of your heart. But I have. I've tried that. It just didn't work. Do it again. The reason you're still alive is because God knows you need to do it again. You need to keep confessing, keep repenting, keep pursuing righteousness. But what if things never change? Life is not about circumstances. It's about your heart right with God. What if I die? What if God never heals me? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. It's a win. You realize that? It's a win. If you die in your sin, you don't die in your sin. Jesus has set you free from that sin. You, but first you need to see just how dark and broken your heart is. And then you can understand how much Jesus suffered in your place. This morning, I need to emphasize to you that the Holy Spirit of God wants your heart your absolute allegiance so he can start a new work in you today. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Well, I've been saved before. Today is still the day of your salvation. 
He's still saving you. He's still sanctifying you. He's still improving you. Every single day is a day of salvation. The last blank is a battle cry because we are fighting for our hearts and this is a fight for your eternal life. So stop insisting on having your own way. Sense and feel God pulling you into the narrow path. Stand with me as we prepare to pray. Close your eyes with me for just a second. Close your eyes with me and picture a narrow path right in front of you. Picture a narrow pathway. Jesus says it's a narrow gate and a narrow pathway that leads to eternal life. And Solomon says, fix your heart on that path. Be careful, be careful. Guard your heart with all vigilance, with everything that's within you. It is your life. As you think about your life and you think about that path and you understand what God wants from you, I'm asking you this morning, what is pulling you off the path? Confess it now. I don't care how many times you've confessed it before. I don't care how many times it's pulled you off the path. Get back on the path today and say you're sorry agree that God is right and tell God you don't want to do that anymore you don't want to give in to that anymore if you do that this morning nobody's looking if you do that right now there's grace and there's forgiveness if you will confess your sins God will be faithful to forgive you, to cleanse you from all the unrighteousness that has taken you off the path or that you've reached for and followed off the path. Everything that's ever happened to you and everything you've done on purpose, there's grace. God, we bring our hearts before you this morning and we say, here it is. Help us, guard us, and guide us. We need your help. We cannot live this life without you. At least we can't live the Christian life without you. Forgive us for the things that pull us off the path, for the things that so easily entangle us and trip us up. Help us learn to lock arms with our brothers and sisters and pray over one another and forgive one another, to confess our sins to one another. And find that you, God, your grace is enough. We come to you in the name of Jesus for help and cleansing. Amen. I need thee every hour. Like mine, can peace afford? I 
singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>